Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Demartini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show is coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody, I want to welcome you to our good news segment. Uh, Linda and I both have been waiting to have a conversation with Mary Forey, as well as Darren Davis. Now, Mary is USAA Assistant Vice President Life and Health. And I want to just tell you what this is about. And Darren Davis, of course, is Humana Veteran Channel Director. Today, we're going to talk about Medicare's annual election period. It ends December 7th. Uh, But if you're like the rest of us, you're going to wait till the last minute, aren't you? And then we're going to talk about Medicare plans, which can be confusing, and how we can help our veterans understand their health care options. How does it make sense? How do we literally get through everything to break it down so that you make the right choices? Thank you both for joining us here today. It's great to have you. Thank you. Thank you for having us. You know, Mary, I want to start out with you, and then I want to hop over to Aaron. Um, I want to start with the word confusion, because... You're absolutely right about it. And whether you are uh, you're somebody that's been in the plan before or you're new to the plans, it can be a little confuse- confusing. And, you know, the reason I like to think about this in this way is it's confusing because there really are so many options, right? Yes, there are a lot of options. And, you know, I think uh, the, the, you can, the best thing to do is to get, you know, talk to someone who has some expertise. And I think for that, I'm going to turn it to Darren because he can talk through some of the confusion and how to alleviate that. Yeah. Help yeah. me, help me be yeah. unconfused. Is that even a word? Unconfused? <laughs> yeah, sure. Sure thing. Uh, we, we can help with unconfusion. So, uh, you know, you, you mentioned it a moment ago. Uh, I'm the same way. I, I wait till the last minute a lot. So we are in the middle of that election period right now, which started uh, October 15th. And that happens every year, right? We, we go from October 15th every year to December 7th is, is the final day uh, of the season where uh, your Medicare individuals can make those changes to their plans for uh, the following year. Uh, and for those of you who don't know, Medicare is a, a, a government-run um, healthcare program, and it's going to be for individuals who are 65 and over, and, and or maybe they've got uh, disabilities. Uh, and then within that original Medicare space, um, you even have, uh, outside of that, you have private companies like Humana who offer Medicare Advantage plans. These Medicare Advantage plans can offer additional benefits. They can help cover some gaps that are out there. Uh, so there's there's a couple of couple of different avenues to consider uh, when, mm-hmm. when you're looking at, uh, at Medicare options and Medicare Advantage. But, you know, one of the things I'd like each of you to comment on, and I think this is true. I mean, this is my awareness of it. You know, there are many uh, there are many vets that don't even really know that they can have the best of both worlds. Have you found that as well? Yeah, yeah, we absolutely have. I, I think I think the. Uh, the misconception out there is that it's an either or situation. And uh, in reality, it's probably a, a both and. Um, and so even the Department of Veterans Affairs themselves uh, recommends that veterans receiving VA benefits uh, do enroll in Medicare if they're eligible to do so. Uh, and so there's a couple of different reasons that veteran may want to do something like that. Um, 
number one, if they want to be able to go outside of the VA system to see, you know, a, a different doctor or provider outside that VA, uh, they're probably going to need to have a plan to, to be able to do that. Uh, mm -hmm. If they're wanting to use uh, a different pharmacy, uh, then, then, you know, they can select a, a plan that has drug coverage uh, and they can, they can go outside the VA to do that as well. So they're, they're going to have to have um, a, uh, a Medicare Advantage or a prescription drug plan or some type of other coverage outside the VA to, to do that. Uh, so with, within original Medicare, like we were talking just a moment ago, uh, original Medicare is, is going to pay around 80% of the bill. Uh, they're going to be able to use really any provider that accepts Medicare in that area, uh, but they're not going to have any kind of max out-of-pocket. Um, so that's, again, that's government-run original Medicare. And then kind of on the flip side, you have privately-run Medicare Advantage plans who will have a network of providers that that, that beneficiary might need to stick to. Uh, but they will have a max out of pocket. They will have some different uh, deductibles, co-pays, uh, uh, network providers, like we said. Uh, so lots of different options. Uh, we, we really recommend that they go to Medicare.gov or that they reach out to a licensed sales agent, um, an agent that knows that area and understands kind of the different nuances of the area, the different provider networks, the different benefits, the different plans. Um, that's they're, they're really going to be able to help them educate or help mm -hmm. educate them on what's available to them. Oh, great. Thank you, Darren. Mary, I got a question for you. I, I, what I would really love to know is what gets you fired up? I know you're doing a lot of these interviews. I know we ask a lot of the same questions, but I really want to know what is in your heart that gets you up every day to really bring this message to the forefront so that we actually get the message and understand the message. Oh, I love that question. You know, what really excites me is this partnership between USAA and Humana. And We've come together really for a, a shared commitment to our military community. And you can just hear, you know, when Darren talks, all the expertise around healthcare and Medicare that Humana has. And when you combine that with the veteran experience of USAA, you know, it really is a powerful offering for our veteran community. And, you know, especially this year, one of the things I'm really excited about, all of Humana's veteran-focused Medicare Advantage plans, they're going to be co-labeled as Humana USAA Honor Plans, and they'll be available to more beneficiaries in more locations. So we're very excited about that. We're excited about the design of these plans that were uh, created, you know, for the unique needs of our veterans um, and and even their spouses also. You know, I want to just ask you both this question because I I I'm, I saw this in in my notes in prepping for this, but it's a very important one. And it's the idea of focusing on the health and well-being of the of veterans. Now, I, I know we always focus on the health, but when you add the term well-being in here, it has a more comprehensive and holistic message. How would one describe that uh, when we're talking about the whole person here, Darren? Yeah, yeah. I think when we, we talk about whole person health or, or like you said, well-being, uh, we, we, you know, I think when we hear the word health, a lot of times we just tend to think, you know, physical health. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, like, like Mary mentioned, you know, it's so much more than that. It's, it's, uh, it's barriers to health. It's social isolation issues. It's, it's access to healthy, healthy food. It's uh, access to, uh, you know, uh, other, other peer groups. And, and that's especially something we run into uh, with veterans as well. So I, I think it's, uh, I think you hit, hit the nail on the head where it's, uh, when we talk about uh, well-being, uh, you know, USA and, and, and Humana together are really focused on uh, really whole veteran health and, and well-being. Yeah. Um, Mary, from your perspective, and I know where you sit, you focus on, uh, I know you all focus on this and have been doing it for quite some time. We look at the whole person. We're not just looking at the physical body and what happens to the body. There's the mental and the emotional. You know, what have you found over time? 
has changed in this arena for you all? Well, I'll tell you, uh, you're, you're exactly right. I mean, you know, mental, really mental and emotional health impact our physical health. So it, it all does work together. And one thing we, we have found and we know for sure is that particularly for veterans, all of us really, but mental health is particularly important for veterans. You know, the veteran suicide rate is 57% higher than the national average. So it's critical, you know, that we focus there. So we have just started a coalition called Face the Fight. Uh, this was founded by USAA with support from the Humana Foundation and others as well. And the whole purpose is to raise awareness of that veteran suicide and to help break the stigma of asking for help. And if you visit um, our website, wefacethefight.org, there's resources there that can help individuals who may be struggling. And, you know, in all honesty, really even just having a conversation uh, with a veteran and being real, you know, real open and, and about supporting and giving, giving hope is really an important way that, you know, you can show you care. Yeah. I, and I love that we're talking about this because there's so much that people can look at and look up. Um, but, you know, if we're following the trends across the board, it doesn't really matter what age you're in. I mean, we've seen what happens mentally and emotionally at the Olympics with major athletes and when they get to the point in the brink of no return. And, you know, those of us that have, you know, veterans in our family, we're familiar with, we understand this up close and personal. So I'm very excited that both of you are talking about this. Now, can we just take a moment? I want to make sure everybody here has the proper website so they can find out more information. Darren, is there one for you? Yeah, I, I think I think a great place for most folks to start would be Medicare.gov, uh, where they can they can really look at everything that's in their area. They can, can compare and contrast all options. And then if somebody wants to look specifically at Humana products, they can go to Humana.com. Um, I know these are short interviews, but there are a couple of things that I, I really want to talk to each of you about. There are, I think when I look at this, there are like my top three things that I absolutely need to look for, right? From where each of you sit, you may be coming from different places. You may be coming from similar places. If you were sitting in front of a, a veteran right now, what would you say are the top three things they should really take a look at if they're looking into this? Darren, what would you tell them? Yeah, I, I think number one, uh, I, 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 I always want to kind of know, I always take the, the time to hear that veteran story. Uh, mm. And so, so that's, I, I, hate, I, hate to, I hate to give you that that answer and say that, you know, there's, there's not a one size fits all for these veterans. Uh, I really try to take the time and, and understand their service. Uh, maybe some of the dynamics with, uh, you know, their family and, and, you know, whether they're, whether they're using VA benefits or, or whether they're not. Uh, but I, I, I take the time to understand, you know, do, do they, do they want to go outside the VA? Um, are, are they, do they have barriers to, to be able to get to the VA? So we have, we have a lot of veterans that, that use the VA and, and, and are able to use the VA, but, you know, we have a lot of veterans that maybe they have mobility issues or uh, maybe they have uh, some reservations about even just getting in the car and driving to the VA. Uh, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe they're, they're dealing with some post-traumatic stress where even just traffic or finding a parking place can be a barrier for them. So uh, we, those are typically the, the things that I, we will uncover in, in, a, in a discussion with a veteran to where we can, we can really kind of help uh, guide them a little bit better from there. Yeah. Um, Darren, one more thing. Um, in some of the coaching work that I do, especially in, in, in the area of addiction and recovery, I was always struck by the, the old school way of doing this, where you brought family members in the loop and had a conversation with family members. Um, how important do each of you think that is to include a wider circle in the conversation? I, I think fam family is certainly important if, if that's a factor um, for, for a lot of veterans. It's, uh, you know, a lot of us lean on our peer groups. Um, and yeah. you mentioned it earlier when mm -hmm. you talked about it. 
it, it doesn't matter really where you're coming from or what age you are. Uh, uh, typically, veterans can connect to other veterans. So you, you can have a post 9-11 veteran that will have no issue connecting to a Vietnam-era veteran. Uh, right. We, we kind of speak the same language, and, and there's there's a, a connection and a bond there. So I think I think family, yes, uh, but really just, just widening that circle to, to include groups of friends, peer groups, uh, you know, social circles, things like that. Yeah. And thank you for pointing out, this yeah. is not a one size fits all. I want to be very clear about that. Mary, for you, what's at the top of your, your chart? Well, I think, you know, Darren really hit it. It's just that, you know, the, these veterans, you know, they, they earned their VA coverage and, you know, by serving our country and they can keep that, but they have, um, they definitely have access to flexibility. So, you know, with adding on top of VA coverage, you know, other plans, a Medicare Advantage plan, for example, they can get backup coverage or maybe a second opinion if they get, you know, a catastrophic diagnosis or maybe the VA facility is far from their home or they can't get in in a timely manner. There's there's lots of different flexibility and options they can have. So I think that's really um, important. And then to the question about, you know, family, um, we, we say here at USAA that, you know, we know that the veteran themselves, they sacrificed with their service to our country, but their whole family, in, in most cases, sacrifices also. Um, and so, you know, the family piece is really important. And then for these veterans who are Medicare eligible, uh, sometimes, and not just veterans, all of us, sometimes, you know, we have adult children who are helping making decisions. So, you know, it's important if there's any uh, listeners who are adult children who are helping care for you know, an older family member that they, they understand the options for care also, because it's confusing for all of us, as we mentioned earlier. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you both for being here. I have one last question and I'll, I'll kick it back to Darren. Um, Darren, I'd love to know your personal message, what you want to leave us with, and then your final thoughts. If there's something that we did not mention today, please chime in and give out that website again. Yeah, I, I think uh, this is something I, I, uh, I, I, tell really everybody that I come in contact with that, that maybe doesn't deal a lot with our veterans. Uh, and, uh, you know, specifically with, with what I get to do each and every day, Mary and I get to do, we, we work specifically with uh, a lot of the Vietnam era veterans. And so that's, that's simply, you know, thank them for their service. I, I think we all understand that, uh, but also welcome them home. Uh, that's, that's something we, we, we stress um, a great deal. Uh, just make, make sure you do that each and every day. Uh, come across a veteran, thank them for their service. And if they're a Vietnam era veteran, welcome them home. And then again, uh, medicare.gov, great place to start and humana.com is, uh, is a wonderful place to, uh, to, to look at our products as well. Thank you. Mary, how about you? What is your personal message and final thoughts in case uh, I've left any question, <laughs> any important questions that I should have asked? You know, I think I would just leave it with, um, you know, the, the importance of, you know, making sure that we are taking care of our veterans and giving them, you know, all the options available. And then also, you know, the conversation about mental health, very um, important, again, for all of us. Uh, and um, there's resources available, you know, for anyone who may be struggling at wefacethefight.org. Yeah. I want to thank you both for uh, doing what you're doing. I know these are sometimes can be grueling interview schedules. Thank you for being so flexible. Uh, and thank you for both of you for your service. Thank you so much for today. Thank you. Thanks for having us. We're going to take a short break, everybody. But what I want you all to know is I'm going to say it again. The period ends December 7th. Uh, Medicare plans, they can be confusing, but helping veterans understand their health care options, it just makes sense. You heard a lot here today. Please pay it forward. Pass it on. Even if it's not you directly, I know you know someone. Thanks for tuning us in and turning us on. Let's take a short break.
Hey, everybody. Welcome to our good news segment. So we've done a number of shows. You've heard me over the past, I don't know how many years, talk about what dermatologists I go to, what I've learned and what I don't learn. But today is about what you don't know and what you should know. Dr. Dendi Engelman is joining me here today. And this is, a, this is a really important conversation because if you're anything like me, you're like hearing the word retinol. You hear it. Everybody here, retinol, retinol, retinol. And you do what you do is you're like, oh, I got to go get it. I got to go get it. And you don't even know what you're buying. You don't know how it works. <laughs> you don't, but you know the word. And as a matter of fact, I believe more women know this word than some of the words out there that help us in the health industry. But joining me here today is Dr. Dendy is going to be taking us through this. Now, listen, thank you for joining me here today. Now, I don't know if people are like me or they're not like me, but I can't remember how long ago I heard the term retinol. Do you? Oh, I mean, I really don't. Actually, right? <laughs> it's like I've never, I've never not known it. Exactly. Um, and I've been out of training for fifteen years, but it, certainly, um, it is the holy grail in anti-aging in skincare. And yeah. so, I think that's why we hear so much about it. Yeah. And people kind of know the benefits, which are many. It helps with fine lines, wrinkles, builds collagen, helps with skin texture, skin tone, pore size, acne, hyperpigmentation, sun damage, um, and it's all part of a vitamin A umbrella. But you're right, Dr. Pat, like you don't know what potency you're getting, what derivative of that vitamin A you're getting, whether it's retinoic acid, retinol, retinaldehyde, there are so many yeah. different forms of it. And that manifests with different activity and reactivity in the skin. Yeah. Now look, you are Dr. Engelman, you're a board certified dermatological surgeon. This is important when I say that surgeon, uh, your credentials go on and on and on appointed director of dermatology surgery at New York Medical College. There's so much that you do. So let me just say that you're an expert. Let's just say that because we can spend the entire short interview just going over everything you've studied. But I want to ask you this question, because when we talk about the proper use of retinol, what we should know and, and what we don't know, I want to ask you this question. Something had to hit you personally about the way this was being used for you to be such a prominent spokesperson. I, I wanna know what hit your heart about this? Well, I, when I help patients and prescribe retinoic acid to address their skincare issues, um, it often is comes with a lot of handholding. We have to walk them through the potential side effects that are often occurring when we're retinizing the skin or getting it used to vitamin A. And that can make them red and peely and burn and flake. And they call back, even though we've walked them through and counseled them on the retinization process, they will still call back and be like, this is burning my skin. I can't use it. You know, I'm, and they're upset because if we're using something to look better, the last thing they want is to look worse first. And it can take weeks to months to get the right. ultimate effects from these actives in some forms. And so that's not fun either. You know, the American way is to get results yesterday. And when you have to wait months to see the benefits, people often fall off in their compliance and they stop using it. Yeah. So what turned my heart um, is this new ingredient that's been discovered. It was written about in our journal, uh, like kind of our, our derm Bible. It's called the Journal of American Academy of Dermatology in 2018. And now, now it's just being brought to market because of the pandemic, it slowed down bringing this new active actually to the consumer. And it's called HPR, which is hydroxypinacolone retinoate, which is a derivative of vitamin A that works similarly to retinol in the skin. Although it's 10 times more potent, it's without the side effects. So it's much 
gentler on the skin. And so it's kind of a, it's like the dermatologist dream because it's solving for all of the issues that we know, even though it's really good for you, going through that process of getting the results was like quite a journey. It's a nightmare. Yeah. So we've now solved for that. And that's what's exciting for me is in a world that is um, always innovating. This is a great new active that gives you all the results, but is very well tolerated and gentle enough for daily use without having to do the once a week for a week, twice a week for two weeks, you know, and, and really handholding through that whole process. Yeah. All right. Well, what is the best way for people to find out about this? Because uh, so often we spend so much time talking about it and we forget to send people to the place they can find more. Because if you're like me and so many others, you have gone down this pathway and really know the side effects up close and personal. And if you know the side effects, you're, you're thinking to to yourself why did that happen well see what you're doing is you're explaining to us this could happen not everybody gets them but now there's something new and this innovation that you all are talking about or come up with this is the thing that when we talk about putting something on our skin right you know we're talking about our skin here we're talking about putting something on our skin we want it to work and we don't want any side effects on our faces right right how do we find um, out more so they can go to elizabetharden.com and follow me at Dr. Dindy for more skincare tips. And um, and I think it's a great point you bring up, Dr. Pat, that like you are blindly recommending things to your listeners. And so it's nice to know not only will they have effectiveness in this new product, but without the side effects. And so that's nice because we don't want to do any harm. No. And, you know, I've been doing this 20 years. So my reputation in this arena, especially when I think about a product and I think about what women, especially, I'm not saying it's only for women, but I, I can only talk to women when we're talking when we put the two words you ready ageless living and skin care when mm-hmm. you put those together it rises to the top for a lot of women and in the past there have been disappointments and i think you're touching upon something that comes solution based for this this mm-hmm. is what's so exciting about us can you talk a little bit if you don't mind about what some of the side effects are i know we touched upon them some of them i've had but i know we've touched upon them and what the magic discovery was to get rid of them. Yes. So, um, you know, a lot of times we prescribe vitamin A derivatives like tretinoin or retin-A, you know, and those were what we used in acne years ago. And so that really is inherently drying to the skin. It's very potent, but it also causes redness, peeling, irritation, a sense of burning, or it's an uncomfortable situation for the patients and it's unpleasant. And so those are the potential side effects that are now not occurring with um, this new HPR formulation, which is great, Um, but you're not sacrificing efficacy because you pointed out like you don't know what you're getting and the concentration and the potency and what what form of vitamin A in these over-the-counter products. And so you may not react, but you may not be getting all the benefits of that active. And so it's really important to yeah. to have both and it's it that was always the sacrifice for us as prescribers that we if you were worried about the side effects of it you lowered the potency and now we're seeing excellent results that are quick and as soon as a week patients are seeing results in the yeah. clinical studies but without the the side effects and they can use it morning and night which is also different than traditional retinols that is And so it's really um, fun that there's been true innovation in this old ingredient, as you point out, but um, they've just made it better. I want to ask you this because your reputation is like my reputation. You're a leader in the industry. You and I, we open our mouths and we say things and, you know, myself and my team, we go through and we do a lot of vetting. I am really excited about Elizabeth Arden on this. And I just wanted to ask you about that. 
because, you know, when you're putting together names of people and you're putting together an innovative product like this, everybody that comes to the forefront is looking at what can we do to help people? But more importantly, when we get brands and names behind something like this, something innovative like this, it really has some punch because you know what? You know this and I know this. If it doesn't work, we all have a lot to lose. But that's not what we're talking about today. Yes. I mean, I, I really love Elizabeth Arden as a heritage brand. I've worked with them for eight years. And I love that they're always innovating and putting their money where their mouth is into research and development, doing clinical studies, proving that the claims that they're making are actually real and they're based in science. And we see in the world of skincare, all these copycat brands and everybody, every celebrity under the plant, under, you know, it seems on the planet seems to have a, a skincare line now, but they're not really innovating in this space. And so that's why I really, as a scientist, want to partner with brands who are doing it the right way and have had real staying power in a very competitive space. If you think about the world of skincare, there are 8 trillion brands, but there are very few that you can rattle off that have been here for, you know, almost a century, which is pretty amazing. Well, and the the reason we're talking about this in particular, for those of you just tuning in, you know, if you've heard the term retinol or however you prefer to say it, I have some friends that say it with the French accent, it doesn't (laughs) matter. Whatever we're talking about, many of you have have tried products. I want to ask you this question because I think there is a critical mistake for us women when it comes to skincare. Now, this is just me based on the surveys that I've taken. We have to stop looking at the price of something and going for the lowest price. I don't understand this when it comes, especially like to put stuff on our face. And so we have to really talk about the quality. Talk about the quality here, because that's really the most important. If I'm gonna put something on my face two times a day, right? Morning and Mm -hmm. night, if I'm gonna do that, I don't wanna wake up in the morning like something from Nightmare on Elm Street. Do you know (laughs) what I'm saying? (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, I know that it is really, tempting when you walk into a skincare aisle and you think that they're almost identical and the ingredients look similar and one is on sale, you know, we tend to be drawn to that. Um, And the financial motivation uh, is real and everyone has a budget, but I do think um, that you want to invest in your skincare and in actives that have been clinically proven to work and companies who you know are really vetting that the science behind their product is indeed changing uh, and making the claim really making the claims that they're yeah. they're claiming it works. Yeah. Um, and so I, I often tell patients to really invest in their skincare and you can keep from all those things, you know, the graveyard of products <laughs> in your medicine cabinet that you've tried and they don't work, but you bought them and you don't want to throw them out, but you don't use them anymore. And so what I love about this formulation is in addition to the HPL HPR and retinol. There's also ceramides, there's hyaluronic acid, there are botanicals. So it's really has a lot of great supporting uh, players in the formulation that are also really skin nourishing and skin loving. So it is a multitasker. I mean, if you think about the fact that you're addressing hyperpigmentation, fine lines, wrinkles, ruddiness, pore size, like all the things that change as we age in really one cream, then you can customize and really limit the amount of products you use, but are going to get more effective change in the skin than using a bunch of products that may be cheaper, but not as effective. Yeah. You know what got me excited about this interview? I do my research. You know, I'm a researcher at heart. And one of the things that I looked at was exactly what we started this with. You can apply it twice a day. That to me, I had to read that like four or five times (laughs) because there's usually a caution label about doing that. And what you've done is you create, you all have created something that 
understands the dynamic nature of skin, also skin at rest, skin during the day and what it does. And this is what the tipping point was for me was to see that and then look at the other things you've added. Now, I know this is a short interview, but I do have one other word I want to bring up. Okay. I think next to retinol, this one here, this one I'm about to say, fasten your seatbelt, don't fall off your chair. <laughs> this one, if you ever come back, you got to talk to me about this one. It is one of the most used words. It is on everything, protein powder, water, and I think it's the least understood, collagen. Yes. So we, we will have to book in another session to talk about it um, because you're right. It's even in mascara, Dr. Pat. And I'm it like, is. why is it in mascara? You know, collagen is a buzzword and it is, it's more marketing um, as far as putting it into products. Often it doesn't, it, collagen is a very large molecule and yes. it has a huge molecular weight. And so if you just put it on the skin, it's just going to sit on the skin. There are ways to induce collagen formation. Retinol is one of them that helps to upregulate the collagen production in the skin, but just putting it in a product does not necessarily mean you are going to have more collagen in your dermis. I mean, that is deep to have to penetrate through the skin to get through the epidermis to where the collagen bundles lie. And so it just doesn't really make sense as far as putting it in everything, but it does drive people to buy it yeah. because it's a buzzword and people know that we stop, you know, we reduce our collagen production starting at 30 by 1% a year. So we know we need to get more of it, but all of a sudden it's just a buzz word yeah. where people see it on a package and they decide they must buy it because it's got to be good for them. Well, I want to thank you for today. I want to get back to how we started the conversation. I want to ask you again to give us some information, but I want to know your personal message. And the reason I want to get back to the beginning of the conversation, because, you know, this is a topic that I think if you're out there and you're in the anti-aging industry or ageless industry and you are and women, I'm not saying the men, y'all don't email me about the whole man thing. I'm sure that there is a conversation for you and but this particular thing to me is a game changer, you see. For those Absolutely. of us that have tried it, right? Not really good for us. This really changes the landscape. So from that perspective, please give me the website. And I'd love to know your personal message and what you want to leave us with today. Okay, thank you. So um, you can go to learn more about the HPR plus retinol water cream at elizabetharden.com. And, you know, my personal message is as my with my patients, I want them to have their best, healthiest skin. And retinol is certainly part of that equation. And I don't want to do harm. I don't want people to look worse before they do better. And so this is great innovation for me because I can recommend something yeah. that I know will work, but is not going to be with all the side effects and potential downtime that people who are retinizing the skin have, have lived through for years. So even if you think you can't use this ingredient, because that's what I get a lot from my patients is like, oh, yeah. don't even talk to me about it. I tried it when I had acne and my face fell off and I'm not going to do it again. Yeah. And then I will convince them to try it. And then they come back and they're like, you know what? I love it. So and you, and you bring up a good point. Thank you for saying, I want to recommend to everybody out there. If you're like me and you're not like Dr. Engelman, if you're like us, you know, well, she is, a, she is a board certified dermatologist, but if you're like me, I always check in, right? I always yeah. check in. If you don't really believe us and you want to try something under the direction of your doctor, give them a ring. Yeah, Introduce absolutely. The show to them, tell them to do their own research. And then for those of you out there that have tried the, what do we want to call it? The old retinol formula. I'm not yes. sure what to call it. Yeah. Okay. If that's the case for you, give it, give it a time. shot. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for tuning Thank us you, in. Dr. Thank Pat. you so much.
Hello, Dr. Path, and hello to our dear listeners. And today, my question to you, my invitation to you is, are you ready to coach yourself? Because this is what we're going to be doing today, self-coaching to attain our vision and create the life that we are dreaming of, a life of no regrets. Welcome, welcome, everyone. Hello, Dr. Path. Great, great show and great conversation. Uh, because I think it is really the key to everything. And the reason I say that is, and you're going to talk about it, is in the previous shows, you really laid out a pathway for people to take whatever it is they want in their lives, whatever that is they're engineering, to really make it happen. But this is the one piece that nobody ever told us. They don't tell us in school. Uh, I happen to have a mama. She told us girls. But most people don't hear this self-coaching, right? That's exactly it. We're going to really go through the process of how to deal with challenges in an empowering way. The challenges that arise as we are working towards our vision and fulfilling our purpose, of course, because we know the path is never smooth and straight. So how do we deal with these ups and downs that show up along the way? This is where we're going to be talking about and working on today together with uh, the listeners. Because let me tell you, I believe that we have a natural tendency, we are conditioned as well, to deal with challenges in one of two different ways. We either use challenges as an opportunity to grow, we use it as fuel, as motivation, right? Mm -hmm. Or we deal with challenges by using them as an excuse to quit, kind of avoid dealing with them and saying, okay, this is the perfect, of course, unconsciously using them as an excuse to quit, to retract mm -hmm. and um, and not even try. So these are both coping mechanisms, right? That we normally create in our childhood due to the early experiences we had, Uh we are also conditioned in a certain way genetically and also from what we saw in our parents, right? So we we are not none one or the other, right? Yeah. These are simply coping mechanisms. Not only we can change our conditioning, we can also overcome all tendencies to mm -hmm. avoid situations. Uh, and if we learn systematically how to approach dealing with challenges. And this mm -hmm. is what this episode is all about. Yeah, I love this. And you said it. One of the things we don't talk about enough is vicarious learning. That means we learn from what we see. And one of the things that many people don't talk about is they don't talk about what we learn really positively. We learn how to read, we learn how to write, we learn how to speak. But there are other things we learn. We learn from the people around us how to react. Sometimes it's behaving badly. And we learn that and all of it carries us forward. Absolutely. So the idea is that we we learn what to do and sometimes what not to do, but it's all at the subconscious level. And today we want to actually consciously explore how can we approach challenges from a growth mindset perspective, rather mm -hmm. than a limited mindset perspective. How can we empower ourselves when we're going through difficult times, challenges, so we come out of the other side stronger than we started, right? And in order to do that, we, we first want to get very clear about the type of challenges we normally attract, okay? We can look at challenges 
in one or two different ways or two different types of challenges. The first one is we call them attractive challenges. What is attractive challenges? These are circumstances that we have attracted into our lives that point us, they are signaling us, they're showing us what we need to work on ourselves, right? Simply because we attract what we believe unconsciously, right? So sometimes these circumstances are simply telling us, okay, if we don't like them, okay, there's a program, there's a line in your software that is creating this. And by attracting these challenges, we can go reverse engineer and understand which line in my software is creating that, and then we can change it, Mm -hmm. right? For example, uh, if I'm having a hard time growing my business, despite putting all the effort This can originate in having limiting beliefs about success that we need to work on, uh, about failure that we need to work on, about owning our power. So whatever it is, this challenge is showing me what I need to work on. So that's the first type of challenge. The second type of challenge, I call them graduation challenges. Okay, now these names are really cool, don't you think? (laughs) They're very cool. (laughs) Graduation (laughs) challenges are... These are circumstances that are presented, that we are attracting, so we can consciously act differently than before and graduate from a lesson. It's kind of like a simple way, a simplistic way of looking at it is a test. I attracted the situation, a test, so I can consciously choose differently. For example, if I've been working on attracting the right clients, right? I might still attract the wrong type of clients for me so that I practice saying no to that client and not saying yes out of fear of not having enough income, right? So it's an opportunity to test what I've been working on. Does it make sense? It does, because, you know, this is really true to form for what you've been talking about in the past shows is, you know, we're laying things out. We have a game plan. And even the best game plan, even the best thing we've done, you know, to lay it out. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in a, involved in a situation now where a development was built. They did everything you did, everything you said, the blueprint, the plan. Hello, what? What didn't they do? They didn't test it. And they just started to build homes. And lo and behold, once they started to build them, they realized that the gravity flow of water coming off the development goes through another person's property. And so these are the things we're talking about. But when you take out the coaching part and you remove it, a situation like that or any situation, whether it's your mother, your father, your brother, your sister, it stops dead. It comes to a halt because we don't have the skills to even think about self-coaching to know what to do next. So everything we do, everything you've talked about, we can find that pathway to success if we knew how to do this, right? Absolutely. I like to look at life challenges as traffic um, drivers telling us where to go. Uh, If one door closes, it's because there's another path we need to take. Or maybe it's showing us, no, this is the path, but you need to work on something in order to overcome it, right? People look at a wall, the one that... Driving, right? That problem with um, the water line. So people look at a wall as a stop sign. And I'm like, no, this is not a stop sign. This is this should be a new traffic sign that says overcome it because magic is on the other side, right? Uh, so, you know, we talked about the two kind of 
challenges we can attract into our lives, the two kind of circumstances. And, and normally people say, okay, but how do I know which one is presenting in my life? How do I know if I'm attracting this as a test? So I practice saying no, or I practice reacting differently, or I am attracting this because I need to work. There's something in me creating it. I need to work on myself. And my answer is that normally we know intuitively. And this is what I always start. When a challenge presents, my first question is, is this me? Is this a graduation challenge or is it an attractive challenge? And understanding which one it is allows me to know what's the next step. Do I need to work on myself or simply, oh, this is a test, just pass the test and it's over, right? Yeah. So we intuitively know, especially if, if a situation presents itself after you've been working on something, right? You might know it's a test or you might actually, you might, you might get a message intuitively saying, no, it's not a test. There's more for you to clear, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all it's all clear in the pathway, though, right? Exactly. It, no matter which one you end up in, it is the thing that's in front of you to clear the pathway. Absolutely, and and every the the there's always an opportunity, right? Mm -hmm. Every challenge brings an opportunity, and and I think the premise here is to to really grasp that every situation we attract reflects our unconscious programming our unconscious beliefs. We attract what we believe. And it's more than that. If we are attracting a situation, a circumstance that we dislike, it's because, and this is the, the bomb here, okay? I, I don't want to drop a bomb, but I kind of have to. It's because <laughs> at some level, okay, we're benefiting from this situation, okay? Meaning that our brain is feeding from it, mm -hmm. is using it, it's a benefit. We are getting a benefit because I always tell our students, you know, your brain is too smart. We don't attract and carry beliefs that are not serving us. So if this is in your life, it's because in some way, I know it's it's limiting you. I know it might be hurting you, but at a certain level also, you're benefiting from it. So we yeah. want to avoid thinking that the situation doesn't serve us at all yeah. and yeah. only hurt us, Yeah. right? Look, you're so right about that. I mean, it's the hardest thing to face. What you just shared is hard. I faced it. So I know to really face the situation and say, yeah, I really don't want to be in this situation. But wait a minute. I'm in this situation. It gives me a really good excuse for not looking for a job. <laughs> exactly. And isn't that when you say that the most empowering when you when you think about what do I get out of this? What do yeah. I get out of this challenge? What do I get out of this situation? That's the most empowering question that allows you to shift from victim to actually change the situation from victim to creator, right? When you ask yourself, what do I get out of this? How is this serving me? In what possible way am I benefiting from this? Because every situation that we attract either serves us to learn something or, as we said before, it's either a test or showing us what we need to clear. So how about we show some practical step-by-step -step processes that uh, we can use to empower ourselves through a challenge? We're going to talk about six, six steps. How's that? Do it. Let's go. Let's do it. Let's go for it. Okay. So step number one is, of course, being very aware of what's the situation that is bothering me. And I'm going to give an example. Okay. So 
The second step is to understand what am I learning from this? You're dealing with it, whether you're dealing it in an empowering way or you're just complaining about it. What are the virtues that you're learning from this situation? And virtues are quality. So what are you learning? Are you learning to be more patient? Are you learning to be more compassionate, um, more organized, right? So that's the second question. The third question, how is this serving me? How is this helping me? What do I get out of this? What's the hidden benefit? Now, this one is the key question here, the game changer. Now, it's not easy to ask that question, especially certain circumstances that are very difficult, like somebody being very ill. So one way to ask that in a very sensitive way is to ask, what has changed since I got this problem? And what will change once I overcome it, if I get better, right? So you said, for example, if somebody had an accident, right? And you go, what's the hidden benefit? Yeah. Nothing. I'm, I'm home and I can't, I can't work. Well, what has changed since you, you got the accident? Well, finally, people are nice to me. Or finally, I can say <laughs> no when people ask me things. And what will change if you get better? Oh my God, I have to go back to work. And I don't want to go back to work. I hate my job. So right away by answering and even journaling, and the invitation here is to get honest and journal on these questions, we're understanding the benefit of the situation. And that's the key point where we can start changing circumstances if we understand the hidden benefit. So that's the third question. What do I get out of this? The fourth question, and I'll follow with an example. The fourth question is, how can I provide for that benefit that I just uncover in a different way, right? If the benefit is that I can, I, I have the right to say no to people and put boundaries, right? Because now I, am, I have this accident, then maybe I can learn to say no without having to be sick, right? Um, so in what alternative way and beneficial way can I provide for that hidden benefit? The fifth question is, what do I need to do differently? What do I need to apply and change in order to cope with this situation? What am I missing today? What are the skills that I'm missing today to cope with the situation? Um, you know, what would make a difference for me, basically? What would be a game changer for me to yeah. cope with the situation? And the sixth one is, how am I going to do this? How do I close the gap? Because I am in this situation because I am lacking certain knowledge, skills, yeah. abilities. How, do, how will I close that gap? So... Perhaps we can we can write down the six steps uh, on the, the description of the episode so everybody can go back to these questions. And, you know, we the invitation for the listeners is to really pick a challenge they're having in their lives and then journal on these questions, get clear on these questions. That's going to create a, a big shift mm -hmm. and motivate people to change the situation, empower you. Yeah, I love this. Look. I've shared this story a million times that I walking down the hall at Bell Labs and I turn to my best friend, Linda, and I say, I'm going to get a PhD. 
Now, the reason I wanted a PhD had nothing to do with the education. I delivered mail to people with PhD at the end of their names. They were so happy. I wanted to be happy. And Linda turned to me and said, absolutely. And then I said, what is a PhD? I never changed that, but I had to fill the gap. I had to fill the gap. And the gap was barely graduate high school, what, over here. But there was a gap. And so I love that you're talking about this because sometimes we get overwhelmed, disappointment and back off because we don't see a pathway. There's a pathway to everything, isn't there? Absolutely. Let me give you an example of, of one of my, my clients. You know, she came to the office. She says, I'm always correcting my team members work. I'm so fed up because it's never done to my satisfaction. Uh, it always results in conflict and overtime for me. And I can't take this anymore. So that was her challenge. So I decided, okay, this is perfect. We're going to go through the template. We're going to help her come up with the answer herself, right? That's what we do with coaching. Um, so I asked her, so what virtues are you learning from this challenge? I know it's unpleasant, but what positive are you lessons are you learning from it? And she said, well, I'm learning to be patient and I'm learning hard work and dedication clearly because I have to correct my team's work and stay longer and be, and I'm learning attention to details. I said, wonderful. These are great lessons. But then I moved to the third question. I asked, what's the hidden benefit of this? The first reaction was nothing. I absolutely don't benefit from this. I'm fed up, right? So I said, okay, let's rephrase the question. If there was any positive thing that comes out of it? What are you getting out of this? How is it helping you in some way? And then she said, well, you know, it, it, I get to be involved hands-on on my team's task, which basically forces me to keep up my technical skills very relevant because rather than managing, I'm doing some of their work. So I keep up with my technical skills. Um, it, and things are done, you know, exactly to my standards. And then she said, you know, now that I think about it, it makes me feel needed and relevant to the job market. Because if right. I ever lose my management position, I still have my technical skills, you know, uh, up to date. So it creates a sense of certainty and security for me. I said, bingo. Wow. Now we're getting somewhere. That's exactly how this is serving you, right? Yeah. So then so, I, yeah. It's the hardest thing to face. But you see, the way you helped, the way you helped get there is just brilliant. Because if we don't get there, then we have some subconscious demotivator. It's a subconscious demotivator inside of us that's saying, yeah, you really want out, but no, you don't. You really want out, no, you don't, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the, the, that's the question that allows you to shift when you ask, what do I get out of this? Or what's the hidden benefit? It allows you to shift from complaining or being a victim to actually saying, oh, I'm actually creating this. So if I do something about it, I can discreate it, right? You go from victim to creator. So I asked her, okay, um, do you know how to feel secure and certain? without having to do everything or control every aspect of your life, of your team's work? And she said, uh, no. <laughs> she says, no, <laughs> now that I think about it, she said, when I was young, 
I couldn't rely on my parents to provide the support I needed. So I learned to handle things on my own and trust mostly myself. So that pattern was created in her childhood and she was repeating it at work. So I said to her, okay, so how can you feel certain and secure without controlling every aspect, right? And then she said, I don't know, I guess I need to learn to trust people. Yeah. I said, that's one way, yes, you know, to perhaps shift the perception that people cannot be trusted for, I can allow people to earn my trust. It's not automatically given, but you at least are open for them to earn your trust. And also perhaps, you know, change the the, the belief that people don't want to work with you or for you to people want to do the right thing and people want to feel good about their work. And that you can have common goals with your team and work together. So we started exploring the belief system that were blocking her. And then when I asked her, right, what's the knowledge? How do you close that gap? What's the knowledge you don't have that you need to close the gap? And she said, I need to learn to trust and delegate. So we work on how to delegate smartly. Of course, there's a way to do that. But you see how we can empower ourselves when we go through these questions, we get so much clarity and clarity we know is a strong force that allows us to be in choice of how we want to react to the challenge. Because yeah. honestly, I never seen a person who blames others, who blames the universe, who blames God and is happy. <laughs> so no. that's no. enough of a reason to want to empower ourselves and let go of the blaming and step into the creator chair, right? Yeah, because you know, look, I know this is, uh, you know, we're we're kind of bringing it to a close. But if we don't have clarity, then what we have is we have a whole bunch of stuff in the way of getting us from where we are to where we want to go, and th- and that's what I think you're talking about today. You know, the steps you've given, the insight you've given, the actions that you're given. We can do this now. This is this show today is for people that are listening to this to do this right now. Gabriella, thank you. Please, yeah. how, how do they do this now? And how do they find out more? What is your closing message? This is what I want to say. Challenges are the opportunity to exercise our creative power and embrace responsibility. They're not a punishment. So it's never about whose fault it is, whose fault this situation is, but it's always about whose responsibility it is. And there's a big difference. So in the next episode, we're going to talk about how to make decisions along the way as part of how to continue coaching ourselves towards our goals. Yeah. And I love that your conversation on challenges as either opportunity or graduations. I just, because, you know, I, I live in a world where we were never brought up to use the word problem. My folks never believed in the problem thing. I only had one mentor that asked me about the problems, but challenges, they're just part of life. That's what you're bringing and shining a light onto today, I think. Yes, the brain sees problems in a very negative connotation. And like challenges that we tend to see it as exciting and as an opportunity, right? And and that's why I like using that word, an opportunity to exercise our creative power and embrace that responsibility. I love it. Gabriella, thank you so much. How do people find out about you? How do they connect with you? How do they learn more? 
I love to connect with people. They can message us in on Facebook or our website, coachingacademy.net. And this is about self-coaching today. Gabriella, thank you so much for today. Mm-hmm.